Welcome back to the podcast. If I'm being honest, we are continuing our holiday series here, episodes where our guests are offering their experience, strength, and hope, and offering our listeners maybe some extra support that they may be looking for at this time. And our guest today is a reformed therapist. Her name is Tracy, and we are grateful to have her on today. Hi, Tracy. Hi, Dan. Thank you for having me today. Yeah, thanks for taking the time. And, uh, you know, I reached out to you over social media, and boom, you came back really quick and said you were willing (laughs) to come on and uh, be a part of this. So I really appreciate that. And um, maybe just tell us about, tell us a little bit about yourself now. Okay. Yeah. So my name is Tracy. I am a reformed therapist. Um, I spent many years in active addiction and today I am, I am a licensed therapist. So I will just kind of go over um, kind of how that story went down. Yeah. Great. Uh, go okay. ahead. Um, so I didn't grow up around, around drugs. I come from a very good, good family, good background. None of my family like even smoked or drank or, or anything like that. So I was the first one in my family to kind of go down that path. But from a very young age, I was always a very sensitive person. I was always really concerned that I was going to hurt someone's feelings or my feelings would get hurt very, very easily. Um, my grandma called me a pot flower. I don't know if that is actually a real term or if that's something that she made up, but <laughs> yeah, that's what, that's what I am, a pot flower. <laughs> but so because of that, I, middle school and, and whatnot was pretty tough for me. Typical everyday things that happen to people, I, I tend to take it a little more to the heart. So, you know, if girls were mean in school or, I I tried out for the cheerleading squad and I didn't make it. It just felt like when I was young, everything was just coming at me, always constantly saying, you're not good enough. I just constantly felt like I was not good enough for that group of girls or the cheer squad or that guy or whatever, just pounded that in my head. So I think I began subconsciously searching for a place where I was good enough, a place where I was accepted. And that, that is what took me to drugs. And, and I started small in high school and I, I was hanging out with a group of older boys and, and you know smoking weed and drinking and things like that. And, and I finally felt acceptance then. I felt like they wanted me around, you know what I mean? And that was that felt good to me. Mm -hmm. Um, So it didn't take long from there for my addiction to progress. And by the time I was 19 years old, I was an IV heroin user. And I became very strung out on heroin very quickly. I had been arrested over seven times. I went to treatment, I think four times or more. I really, really did a number on everything at that point, my relationships, my jobs, my credit score, everything just really pounded it into the ground. Um, and at the end of 2013, I was actually, I was actually staying in someone's cellar because I was on the run from arrest warrants. 
I wasn't technically homeless, but I couldn't go home because of that, right? So I was staying in someone's cellar and I was doing drugs all day, every day. And that was my my lowest point. I mean, I don't I don't think it can get too much lower than, than that. Um, and at that point I was arrested and I did a year in the Indiana women's prison. And um, after that, I was sentenced to a halfway house. And it was in that halfway house that things finally started to change for me after 10 years of addiction. I, I became pregnant while I was there. I know it's a very, very classy conception story. Um, but that pregnancy changed my life and I bonded with my baby very quickly. And I promised him that he would never see that side of me. He would never live in a home with addiction in it. And I have kept that promise for, for eight years and counting, almost nine. Um, and I've been working really, really hard to build us a stable life that will support him and give us the opportunities that I had when I was a child. So I, I put myself through school. I went to school for six years and became a licensed therapist while being a single parent in recovery. And, you know, I started as a waitress in, in a truck stop and I, I worked my way up through better jobs and better cars and better housing until we finally, I was able to buy my own home twice now and get this career that I have. And now I actually have three children now and we travel often and we, we have a genuinely happy life. I am genuinely happy for the first time in my life. Wow. I, it just sounds like you made a such <laughs> a, yeah, but it was a, your, your addiction grew your use grew, it sounds like, so fast. Um, but it also seems like you were able to end it quickly as well. Um, you know, when you were, you know, you, I think you said you were 19 years old when you, you know, started um, using heroin. Um, were there people around you? Because you said you came from a home that, you know, didn't have addicts. Um, you know, did the people in your home recognize what was going on with you? After a little bit, yes, they definitely did. And they were, they were very, very scared. Um, I, the first one in my family to ever do that. So they had no idea how to handle it, what was going on. They just were, their wheels were spinning and they were hurt and scared and, um, they were very supportive though, you know, but they were the type who were supportive from a distance. Like, we're not going to help you ruin your life, but if you want help, we are here for you. Yeah. I mean, it, it's hard, right? In a, in a family like that, you get what's nice is that support um, and, and the love is still there, but they don't know what to do for you. You know? And I think a lot of families run into that. It's, it's like a shock to them. And what do you do? What's the right answer? You know? Um, and I think so many people, you know, will always uh, grapple with that because, you know, if they, if they haven't seen it in their family, they don't know what the right approach is, you know, more support, tough love, you know, cutting you off, all the different things that people try 
and what's the right, you know, what's the right one. I think it's, um, there's no one size fits all, obviously. So when you, you know, you said you got arrested, um, and you, you went to a prison in Indiana, I think you said, um, while you were there, did you get clean while you were there? I, you know, I hear different things about what goes on in prison and I've had people who tell me on the podcast, they've told me that it was easier for them to get drugs in prison than it was outside of prison, you know? So what was that like for you? So I did get clean in prison. Indiana Women's Prison actually has a program where women who are pregnant can have their babies and keep them with them in the prison. Now I was not pregnant at the time, but I was actually placed on that baby dorm is what they call it. Um, So they are very strict on that baby dorm. And so there was not really any drugs in there. So maybe that was a a gift from the universe that I was placed in there and I was not in harm's way because I was able to stay clean during that time. Yeah. And then when you when you got out, you uh, went to a halfway house, you said. Um, And while you were at that halfway house is when you got pregnant. Um, and you had your first child. Now, I, I, I can't imagine, you know, you're trying to get your own life straight at that point, um, and, and figure out yourself, but now you're going to bring a baby into the world where, you know, I do know how difficult that is, how overwhelming parenthood can be, um, so how did you handle that? How did you juggle that as, you know, trying to I know for myself like recovery is almost I I don't want to say selfish but I almost have to be selfish in my recovery right and make sure that that comes first um so how do you do that at the same time you're you know having a baby It, it was a tough adjustment definitely um but my son was really my driving force so it was it really wasn't that hard for me to actually stay clean which is surprising but i really focused on taking care of him i was on my own with him so i knew that he was counting on me he didn't have anybody else if if i didn't provide him with these things he wouldn't have them and because i grew up with such a great childhood and a stable home i desperately wanted that for him so i was just really locked down on providing for him and creating a life for us. And what were you doing as far as recovery is concerned? Were you in any kind of program at that time or were you just trying to do it on your own? I did go to meetings at first, um, but I kind of took a more independent approach. I really just started focusing on my spirituality and my connection with, with myself and with the world. And I began doing a lot of hiking and backpacking and meditating. And I went kind of all over and went out west and backpacked and backpacked around here with my son and and kind of went on adventures like that as much as I could. And I feel like those really fed my soul and those really kept me in a good head place. I think that really contributed to my recovery. And were you, were your, was your family around when when your baby was born? 
They were. They were all very concerned that I was not going to make it and that they were going to have to like raise my baby. Um, so they are all very happy <laughs> that, that that did not happen and that I, I stepped up to the plate when it was time. You know, I, I from my own personal experience, it, I knew I was an alcoholic. I knew, I mean, I knew I had a problem. I thought I could handle it. I thought I could figure it out. Um, clearly, I couldn't. But it's, you know, my wife had asked me so many times to quit, and I wouldn't quit. Um, and I knew myself that I needed to quit, but I wouldn't do it for myself either. Um, but my my daughter was my, you know, my daughter, the way she looked at me is what started it. But my kids were my, how you said, like a driving force. My kids were my driving force. You know, once sober, I realized it was better for me and better for everyone around me. But to start the journey, it was about my kids, that that driving force, as you said. So I completely relate to that. You know, is there anything... There, there have been a lot of things in my own life that I, I credit, you know, the, the sober community and different people who have come into my life that I have to give a lot of the credit to and the support of my wife, um, you know, that really I can point to and say that is what helped me and continues to help me now. Do you have those either people or things that you can point to and say that has been huge for you? I, I do have those. I, a lot of people have asked me that question. And because of what I do in my work also, I, I wanted to formally figure out what it was that kept me in this place. That is support, a good support system, adventure, um, connection with yourself and with the world, goal setting. So setting goals, achieving them, and just constantly working toward moving forward, finding your purpose. They all make sense. I mean, and, and those are things, you know, do you kind of look at those things on a daily basis, on a weekly basis? You know, how do you, how do you approach your, your recovery every day? I, I guess I self-assess daily. Every morning I I journal and I check in and I see what's working for my life and what is not. So yeah, I guess I check in with all of those things daily and see where I need to, to bring it up and what's, what's working for me. And how does your career as a therapist now, you know, work into your, your recovery as well? I feel like giving back is huge. I feel like giving back is really what allowed me to, overcome some of the shame and embarrassment surrounding my past. I used to be very, very embarrassed. I didn't want to tell anybody. I would lie in job interviews and pray nobody would bring it up. I just hoped that nobody would ever know. Um, and obviously, I don't feel that way anymore. I share about it freely on the internet. So yeah, um, yeah I just I think that the more that you give back, it's the more easy it is to accept your past. You know what I mean? Because you know that you're doing good with your life now. Yeah. And is that, so is that why you have, like, I, I understand obviously as a therapist, you help people, um, you know, but is that also why you decided to be open about it 
um, you know, publicly, whether it's online or, or different places because of that feeling of giving back and maybe helping other people who need it? Absolutely. I just remember being in active addiction and thinking to myself that I was never going to make it out. This was going to be my life forever. I was going to die an addict and I had accepted that. So to be where I am today, it still amazes me every day. So I wanted other people to know that they can do that also, because I'm sure that other people are still feeling stuck where I was thinking there's no hope for them. It's just not in the cards. They're not going to make it. So I just want them to know that this is possible for everyone. Absolutely. And that's why I wanted to do this. You know, that's and that's why I'm so grateful that you took the time to come on with us today, you know, to hopefully reach those people. This is a tough time of year, right? Where, you know, people do feel down on themselves or alone or different things. And, you know, just to show them as many stories of, you know, people who did make it out, did make it through and, you know, how much, how much better your life is sober, um, compared to, you know, where you were however many years ago. Um, so Tracy, I just want to thank you for coming on today and sharing your story, um, and being a part of this and, you know, I have no doubt that it'll, uh, it'll reach some people uh, who are in need and, and make a difference for them. Well, thank you so much. I think it's wonderful that you are, you're doing that and you're reaching out to everyone. I really appreciate you having me. Absolutely. Well, have a great day, and I hope you have a great holiday season. You also. Thank you. Well, thanks for listening, and I hope you enjoyed the episode. Please don't forget to rate and review before you move on. You can also go to my website, dancarity.com, for more talk on my blog and subscribe to my newsletter for updates on the podcast, more info on addiction and recovery, and everything else that my guests and I are up to. 